actually Alex Edmondson saved me because I was like delirious more or less over the top. Uh-huh. And Alex Edmondson grabbed me and he's like, you okay? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not great, mate. And he's like, okay, here, have this. So he gave me another gel, which was not helpful because it was the wrong gel, but it doesn't matter. He, I needed something to like keep mentally safe. Hey Legends, and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. This is episode 78, and today's guest is Luke Durbridge from Jayco Alula. Oh, you guys are going to absolutely love this episode. We talk about a whole host of things, right? But the main key points, of course, the Tour de France. It finished only 10 days ago for the men, and then we get stuck into the worlds at Glasgow. So much to talk about, so much inside this episode. You're going to love it. Now, legends, if this is your first time listening to the Press Room Podcast, okay, first of all, where have you been? And second of all, my name's Jethro, and I'm the founder and the host of TPR. And the whole point of this podcast is basically to showcase the personalities of all our favorite writers. So to give you guys um, more excuses or new excuse to cheer or um, follow a writer on the world tour. So that's the whole point of this. So I hope you enjoy these episodes and make sure you um, hit the subscribe button on uh, Spotify, Apple, leave a rating and review. It's really helpful for all the algorithms um, for supporting TPR. But yeah. Legends, before we get stuck into this episode, all right, big shout out to Zwift, okay, the only indoor platform. Uh, we saw all the Zwift coverage and the sponsorship of the Tour de France Femmes last week. Um, it's just awesome. If you're struggling with riding in the wintertime, you don't like getting out when it's cold, or you're just in a bad climate, um, I really recommend getting onto Zwift. It's just fantastic. Whether you want to do group rides, racing, um, or just do a bit of training, do training plans. It's absolutely awesome, and there's nothing better. I'm actually wearing my Zwift shirt right now. Thanks, Wes. Really love the shirt. And also, Legends, the bottles. Oh, the TPR bottles. Of course, you saw on the socials, they have been ordered, okay, four or five weeks away, all right? Now, limited number, so don't forget, you've got to sign up on the website for the early release. It means you'll get the first notification for when they drop. Um, because there's not a huge order, they will go super fast. So tprcyclingnews.com and um, sign up and that way you'll get the first hit. When they drop, they're going to look so cool. They're specialized bottles, super, super clean, super cool. And um, yeah, who else? Smith Optics, Attacker. Oh my God, Attacker. They've just dropped new winter base layers and these things are premium, okay? They are premium. So use the code CR dash the press room, all capitals, and you get 15% off. Um, I've got some base layers coming this week. Okay, enough rambling. This is it, Legends. It's time to get stuck in to the episode. We've got Durbo on. It's episode 78. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Oh, it's a big circus, mate, isn't it? You just got back from the big circus. The biggest. I did. The well, biggest I- circus. The biggest of circuses. Yeah. 10 days. 10 yeah. days. Yeah. Um, uh, no, not well, not even, man. What is it? It's two, oh, yeah, 10 days. Yeah, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Well, I, I actually had a fun fact that I was going to start with a bit of trivia. I wondered, right, just before I mm. touch on a bit of TDF, did you know your best ever GC result in a grand tour? Your overall GC result? No, I don't know that. <laughs> was Seven, it the Giro? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, 2019. I got a phone call the week before that Giro happened that I was going to the Giro. So that was a interesting phone call. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just wow. like I, I, I broke my collarbone in the classics and I was out on a bike trip with Freiburg and we were riding through France and we're doing just like this epic week, you know, we're doing like, he was on some 45 hour week. I was doing 40 hours. And what we're doing, we were just staying along the way. Like I booked hotels, like 220 K away. We'd ride, stay yeah. at the hotel, do 220 the next day. Elite. And I got halfway around this trip and someone had crashed into a Romandy and then I got a phone call and it's like, Hey mate, like Matt White. I mean, Hey mate, how you going? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm good actually. Um, He's like, well, well, we're, we're going to need you for the Giro. I'm like, well, I'm actually in the middle of France right now. Um, he's like, well, you might want to start riding back because, you know, you leave on Wednesday for the for the Giro. <laughs> so I did like a 40-hour week and then I had a week easy, which is the week that we travelled to the Giro. And yeah. then I started the Giro and it was like then it been to another 40-hour week. So <laughs> it was oh. like a four-week grandy, more or less. <laughs> what did Freeburg do? Uh, Freebird, Freebird came home and then he was went off to Belgium to race wow. some uh, one-day races in Belgium. He was going quite well, actually. I think he won a few over there, some pro commises and stuff like that. So that was uh, 2019. So just... He was just the national champion. The nationals, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember the um, I remember the photos. One of the commises he won, there was another guy on the podium from Cofidis. But anyway. That's right. Yeah. So, yes, good little story, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wondered after a Tour de France, a Tour de France specifically, it's a little bit different to the other Grand Tours. How does it usually take you until you feel like rested? Like, do you feel recovered now from that race? Um, it's look, it's so varied. Uh, I would say in terms of. Like I've had Grand Tours where sort of ebbs and it, it ebbs and flows in the Grand Tour. You know, you, you most of the time I'll go into a Grand Tour like really firing mm. because my job is really crucial in the first ten days. Yeah. You know, it's like protecting a GC leader, doing mm. helping the sprinter. Mm. Like ten days, mostly it's like flat. You know what I mean? And you do like a lot of big engine stress yeah. work. Um. So, and then potentially I might have like a bit of a second week fade, um, which I may just ride group pedal every day and not just sort of not, you know, like a, you sort of start to peter out a little bit and that can last like a couple of days. And then if you get a good recovery period, say a rest day, maybe a mountain TT that you don't have to go full gas, yeah, then you can actually recover randomly in the race. And then the back end of the third week, you can start to really like, start to like get even more form and start to feel even better. Um, and then you can come out of a grandy and be like, fuck, I'm, I'm flying here. You know, like a, I, I, I'm recovered. My body's feeling good. You go to, that's why you see now with some guys coming out of the tour, they go straight to Tour of Poland and they're yeah. winning. Like Morik won the other day yeah, in Kutowski. Tour of Poland. Kutowski's up there. Yeah. Like there, uh, Micah won yesterday. Like it's all just like, how, how is that possible? But, then you have like another couple of guys who are on the on the down trajectory and they can barely finish San Sebastian. They're, they're completely fucked. 
So I will say that coming out of this grand tour, I was pretty cooked. Like mm. for four days, I was sort of pretty feeling pretty under the weather. Um, I went pretty deep all the way to the end of the grand tour because every single day we had Simon or we had Dylan. We had Simon or we had Dylan. So my job role just like never stopped. And then I was, you know, still doing full lead outs on the Champs-Élysées for Dylan on that day. And you just, you finish and you just, you really are on the end of your limit. And I, I did come out this grand tour going, and I've got the world championships yeah. Wednesday, but I, I sort of I don't leave on Wednesday, but I'm a bit like, well, I, I don't know how I'll respond, mm. but my biggest, my biggest rule is you just have to keep riding and not stop. Because once you stop, your body goes, okay, now it's time to get sick or get, you know, start recovering or whatever. Like you've just sort of like got to slowly peter off, Mm. you know, and, and, and keep ticking over. So it's been hard mentally every day to get on the bike and go riding. Mm. But like, you know, yesterday, for example, I did my long, I did six hours on the bike yesterday, just as a, my long ride before I go to the world championships. And like, now this morning I'm starting to feel a bit better. Mm. So yeah, you just got to like, you really just got to go a feel, but you just have to keep. My rules just have to keep riding because as soon as you stop, man, you you, you put on three kilos like that. Your body just swells up. Mm. You 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 so much fatigue in the legs. Yeah. So yeah, I was talking to Wellsford actually before he went off to the. World Championships, and I was at the last stage of the Grandy, and he's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm going to the World Championships to race the team pursuit." And I just that just blew my mind. Like I could not think of anything harder to do post Grand Tour. You're you such a diesel. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're such a diesel. You actually just lose a lot of your top end because you're just so endurance based. Yeah. And then you're going to go do a a team pursuit. So. That'll be interesting to see how Wilson responds, but I mean, he's a bit of a freak, so he might be fine. But I, I just couldn't, I couldn't think of anything, anything worth. And straight into a team of like, you know, Connor and Paul, oh, all those boys have been yeah. boards, like <laughs> chomping at the bit, all fresh, you know, doing power yeah. efforts, and all he's been doing is suffering like a dog, you know, like I don't know, yeah. Well, I'll we'll see. Sammy's up next, so after Worlds we'll um we'll find the we'll find out how he was feeling before those uh the first <laughs> TP. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he did yeah. an amazing job to get through the. I oh, did through the through the Grand Tour. You know, I was surprised considering I think the first mountain stage I came up to him in Group Pet. I said, "Is this your first mountain stage ever?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Not just the Tour de France. Like, yeah, he right. didn't do Dauphiné. He's never done Swiss. Yeah. I don't think he's done Paris or Torino. Like, he did ZLM, which no, is not the Tour de France. No, no, no. Yeah, like, people, so, I think people forget about Wilson, um that he wasn't hasn't ridden that much road. You know, he's been no, dedicated mostly no. to the track. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a slow burn, but. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do next year with that under the belt now. Like, he didn't get the chance to sprint because he just, just, he was so fatigued by the time he came to these sprint finals that he just, he wasn't there. But it will be interesting to, a new lead out, going to Bora or Mm -hmm. whatever he's going to. So, be interesting Mm -hmm. to see. 
It's like um, I remember a podcast. I think a podcast that Caleb did with. Oh, I want to say with the Stanley Street Boys, and he he mentioned how it was after the year that uh, he was his last year with um, Green Edge, and when he didn't get yep. selected for that Grand Tour, the one with the team's time trial, and he was obviously disappointed. But he he mentioned it had been I think eighteen months since he he'd done a Grand Tour. And he said how important it is just to have those in your legs for the next season um, as a spin as yeah. a sprinter. And I think, yeah, like you said with Sammy, now that he's got that one in the legs and a full season with no touch with no injuries, next week, next yeah. year, you're gonna have that, you know, that in you know, that base endurance is gonna be higher. So he should rock up to the to the sprints with um, you know, a bit more freshness, you know, and be actually able to sprint because you know, when he's there. He's fucking rapid. Oh, he's, he's one of the best. You yeah. know, that's it. And I, I think we're all being quite surprised with how he's been able to manage this season. You know, like, mm. it's been really amazing to see. Like, he's, and he's also, to be honest, he's probably still got three kilos there to slowly yeah. lose anyway, mm. um, just because he's such a ball of muscle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so once that comes off and he's got that depth, I think, with how he's handled this first season, it's been, it's been pretty impressive. Mm. Um, now you're like you mentioned, you know the sort of roles that you perform when you're at the Grand Tours, and then everyone listening knows uh, the jobs that you do um, and how crucial you are for you, you know whether it be your, your GC guy if it's Simon or you know Grunewagen in the sprints or Quickie whoever. Um, in the last few years, like it's been really cool that more I think more of the um, like the workers and the key key helpers in the team, domestics in the team more of those roles are being celebrated, you know, like there's much more talk about Laporte, there's, you know, Dennis and um, and Bjerg, all those big engines that are now, I think it's been highlighted more how much the big units in the team are helping, um, you know, those, those key leaders. So I wondered, when you come out of a grand tour, sprinters can measure their success with wins or podiums and same with GC guys, stage wins, et cetera. But how do you measure like your personal success after a grand tour? That's, that's an interesting question. I I think for me, each day I get a target, um, which may be, you know, putting Simon into a crucial climb, um, which might mean me getting over, you know, two cat ones, for example, to get him to the bottom of this climb um, or getting in a mountain breakaway that then, you know, Simon is have the ability to come across. Um, or with Dylan, for example, it's a certain pinch point, you know, like I'm not a last man or even the third man. I'm sort of more of a fourth man because I'm more of a diesel. But that might be hit, hitting this really technical section at 8K to go because then from 8K to go, there's seven roundabouts and you never move after that. Yeah. And everyone knows you have to be in front of 8K to go. And so it's a full-on semi-lead out to the 8K to go. And then after that, no one really moves, you know. So what I would measure my success is how much each day I was challenged in the meeting um, and how I could execute those those roles. And it's for me, it's the consistency of executing those roles. Um, It's from this day one, in Basque Country with Simon to the Champs-Élysées, you know, lead out with Dylan. Mm. So we are fortunate in our team that we are respected 
and we get selected for the biggest races because of what we do, not for necessarily what races we get. And that doesn't always happen, I'd say, in a lot of teams. And that's where you see a non-cohesive team. I'm not going to say names of what teams you see, but you see teams that are selected off, you know, pro cycling results. Yeah. And they come and they're not a unified unit. They don't know how to ride together. You know, there's certain guys that get results, but they don't actually know how to help a leader. Mm. Um, But we have like a, we call it the engine room. And um, there's key guys that are in the engine room in our team. And we sort of take pride of being in the engine room. You know, like there's certain guys that come in and they do some work and they're like, oh, can I be part of the engine room? We're like, no, mate, you're not an engine room. Yeah, You're not an engine room. Uh Yeah, so we're we're like Lucas Hamilton, for example, in the Volta, his role changed. Um, He got a bit sick, so he wasn't climbing as good as we thought. And, you know, he, he was part of the engine room. And we're like, yeah, you can for the Volta, you can be part of the engine room. But after that, you're you're actually too good to be in the engine room, so you can just fuck off and so excuse me, you can go. You're not allowed to be in the engine room. Yeah. So I just want to be part of the boys. You know, you're like, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to be part. Yeah, of the yeah. Room. So hmm. the good thing is that we have directors like Matt White, Matthew Heyman, Dave McParlin. You know, Gene Bates was there, but these guys were proper good domestiques throughout their career Mm. and they realized the importance of having a a good domestic base to set up their leader and without that it's sort of a process without ticking those boxes so i feel like when i came out of the grand tour i was i was like let know uh, they let me know that yes the engine room luke lawson craddock uh, uh, Chris George Jensen and Elmar were the four guys in that sort of engine room. Mm. And we ticked that box, you know, and we were solid. Every day we got asked upon, if it wasn't me, Chris was there. If it wasn't Lawson, I was there, you know. Mm. And at the end of the Grand Tour, you know, we, we sit down and Matt Heyman was like, look, just want to say from the commitment from all of you guys was top notch and we didn't win the stage, and I think that was the only thing that would have really made that Grand Tour very, very good for us because, to be honest, if we won a stage with Dylan, we ran second like three times. Simon was just off the podium, fourth on GC. You know, where I would say that would have been one of our better Grand Tours, but because we didn't win the stage, it just looks at it like it's a bit of a, a, bit of a sad, like not non-successful Grand Tour, but... The way we were racing and the way we were going after it every day as a team, I think, as you saw, a lot of people on TV saw that that mm. we we were going after it, you know. And I mean, we there's not much you can do against Jumbo and UAE, and we gave it the best chance that we could. So, mm. yeah, I, I, in this Grand Tour, this is this that's the way I I mark it down. Um, mm. Another option is if there is a good time trial. I take that one time trial in a Grand Tour very seriously. And if I can get a top 10 in that time trial, then that's also just like a little personal good job. Like you tick that box plus the other value that you're adding. Or there's a team's time trial, for example, and I really do a good team's time trial. Then it's like, okay, good. You did that little thing for, for you. And then, but the rest is comes complimentary to that, you know? Mm, yeah, bloody oath. No, nah, good good answers. Um and mm. I think the yeah, like the individual stage markers and stuff that you have to get to is uh yeah, that's 
that's really cool and kind of difficult too because you yeah like you said you got to execute you maybe one of those goals you got to get over the first two climbs first just to, to get to be able to do it which is which is pretty um ah, it's a good challenge to have each day um yeah. okay that was a really good answer okay so what about this you might this is off the spot right last two france question but um do you can you just ones that come to the mind first just of this grand tour what was like the most challenging moment during the tour for you uh for me personally uh stage 17 i think we called her called her on mm. i was on a quite a good day um was climbing very well uh it was only probably 30 guys left in the peloton there was a big group of 20 up the road and that was the day simon ran second to felix gold and we were there, me and Chris Jensen, and we were sort of supported the guys to get them into the breakaway. And then we were in the we we're in the peloton. We're thinking, fuck, there's actually not that many guys left here, so I'm climbing quite well. Yeah. And then I got to the bottom of the last climb, and I was in between groups. So we had Dylan, we had a support vehicle behind Dylan, and we had a support vehicle behind Simon. And I had a little bit of issues with fructose, um, and I needed some 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 fuel. And I was starting to hunger flat a little bit. So mm-hmm. I took some gels from other teams, which is fine. They That's pretty common. They give you some gels and they, you know, help you out here, help you out there. Anyway, so I took some stuff, uh, some fructose, some gels, and I was pretty dehydrated. And then my, my whole stomach just shut down. You know, like it was, uh, would blew up like a balloon. It was like all the blood's rushing to your stomach, so it goes away from your legs. Yeah. And then you've got to go up the hardest climb that is in the Tour de France that year. Uh, it was 5,200 metres. It was like filthy stage. Anyway, I got to the last like 3K and I was out of body experience, you know, like I'm, I'm completely cooked. And I'm freaking out because Dylan's group is actually catching me. And if I go up the back of Dylan's group, they were only making time cut by three minutes. Yeah. So I'm thinking... So I've gone from the f- first group at the bottom of the cold oh, Iran to oh. nearly the last group, and I'm and guys are just everywhere. It's like a it's like a massacre. Like guys are coming up and they're grabbing bottles off teams and pouring them on their head, and they're like, "What's the time cut?" And we're all screaming at each other, like, "Slow down!" And the other guys are like, "No, we're not going to make it." And I mean, it's not a it's not a fun time, you know. You the look of fear on everyone's face as they come past, and I'm seeing guys come past me that. I'd out climb every day. Mm-hmm. And when they're coming past you, oh. you know, pushing on and you can't even hold their wheel, you're going, Oh God, this is yeah, this is bad. This is very bad. <laughs> anyway, I got to the top and I you had to descend the last three K into the finish and then you kicked up five hundred meters to go. And um actually Alex Edmondson saved me because I was like delirious more or less over the top. Oh. And Alex Edmondson grabbed me and he's like, You okay? And I'm like, I'm I'm not great, mate. And he's like, okay, here, have this. So he gave me another gel, which was not helpful because it was the wrong gel, but it doesn't matter. He, I needed something to like keep mentally yeah. sane. Yeah. So took the took the gel and he said, okay, follow me down the descent. I'll take it easy. I'll look after you. So nice. I went, followed him down this technical descent and then he took me to the bottom and then he got me to the bottom of 500 metres to go and he was just like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm like, okay. He's like, we're going to make it. We've got heaps of time. Don't stress. I was like, okay, thanks, man. And then I got across the line and I was like man I was a I was a broken man and the team was all like all up and about because Simon was second 
And they sort of just saw me like come across the line, like, yeah, okay, cool. Devo finished in the group. Pedo, good idea, saving energy. I looked at the director and I was like, no, 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 no. But this is not good. So I went back to the room and then that's when it all started to even get worse. I started to throw up. I'm completely dehydrated and I'm spewing, so I can't get any calories in. So it was a bit of a rough a rough evening. Um, I wake up the next morning. I was three and a half kilos lighter, which is not a good thing. Uh, dehydration, all that sort of stuff. So I was luckily, luckily that we had a sprint stage. Um, unfortunately, that was the day that Askren stayed away oh, and right. I could not contribute to the chase because I just had nothing in my legs. Um, and I did suffer probably for two days there just to really try and get back on top of mm, my nutrition yeah. to get my weight back on. Like my stomach had taken a really big beating and I was, I was pretty bad for two days there. So, but I was proud that I, 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 I suffered through that. The, the, the support staff were amazing on the team, you know, like getting me extra rice, extra calories, you know, all the boys are going back to the car, getting me extra bottles. Nice. Just so, just those two days, and it's funny, you know, like that was stage eighteen, stage nineteen, and by stage twenty, I was back ready to go. And stage twenty-one, I was be able to lead out. So, um, it could have been touch and go, but <laughs> that was probably the hardest moment for me at the at this year's Grandy because they had gone, everything had gone super smoothly, and it's yeah. funny, it just at the wrong time, took the wrong nutrition, and it just it's such a fine line between once you go hunger flat, you you can't do anything about it. You were just, you've been hunger flat before, I'm guaranteeing on a bunch. Right? You, you can't do anything about it. You just, like, oh. what is happening? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, shout out to Edmo. What a legend. I love that. Yeah, he, he really helped me. Now, that was a, that was a big, that was a, I'm very grateful for that. The last um, hunger flat, my epic hunger flat was when I decided to ride home from Bunbury after we had a crit up there. And, um, <laughs> Bunbury's like it was. A, was it a forest highway headwind? Was it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, it wasn't. Actually, I had a tailwind. So Bunbury's like three hours from Perth, right? And um, for everyone who raced, and I just felt amazing. I thought, you know what, I'm going to ride home. And I, I remember after the race, I, I just started pegging it down the highway, and I was feeling awesome. Forty k an hour tailwind. I'm like, this is going to be epic. And I started out pretty fast, and I saw some of my mates driving home. They sort of beat that me, and I was like, yeah, sweet. This is going to be awesome. Motivation's high. Yeah, it was high. And then it got about 30Ks in. I was like, mm, I'm not really feeling great here. And um, I think I got to the first servo, right, and I was out of food. And I was wearing my skin suit, and I had two pockets. You know, a skin suit's like, you can't fit anything in there. Yeah. And I had my phone with my bank card and like, you know, the bank card was kind of sitting in the lip of the phone and yeah. I had taken my phone out to change a song on my earphones. And I think the card had come out when I did that. Like, you know, it just sort of came out. Oh, no. I got to this, yeah, I got to this servo and I had like 28 bucks worth of shit, like <laughs> to get me. Ready, least, yeah, ready to get <laughs> And I was like, the lady, I was like, oh, no, I didn't have my card. And my phone ended up going dead. And there was no Apple Pay then. It was like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh. And luckily, I just asked the lady. I said, like, she looked at me and saw that I was, you know, not in a good state. And she Five paid straights, for yeah. 
Yeah, she paid for the food. And oh, then I managed, what a legend. I know. I managed to get back. So another 120K had passed. I was not moving very fast. No phone. My Garmin died. So I didn't even have the file. Like, what a waste. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then I got, I ended up getting to Murdoch train station. So about 25Ks from the city. And I asked, um, I asked the lady for money at the bus stop for uh, a train ticket. And... <laughs> I was cooked, mate. And I the train ticket was two dollars twenty, but I asked for five dollars because I knew there was a bag of lollies in the vending machine that cost two dollars eighty. So she gave me the five bucks, <laughs> and I got on the train home, mate. And um, that's my bog story. Oh. Yeah, that's a good. That's a bloody good one. I yeah. know exactly where you're at. Murdoch is still so far from home. Oh. So far from home. Yeah, yeah. in the. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, world champs, have you been to Glasgow before? Yes, oh. I was there for the Commonwealth Games. Um, oh, must have been eight years ago, maybe. So, quite a while ago now. Okay. Um, did cool. the Com Games time trial, and I've been to Edinburgh a fair few times holidays or trips or things like that and we've also done some stuff there for tour of britain so yeah i know the the terrain and roads we're we're going to yeah Mm. where did you finish in that time trial fourth no 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 no. that was a bad time trial for me i come out of the this was my first ever tour to france oh went to the commonwealth games thinking that i would respond well did not respond well might have been top 10 may have maybe been out top 10 there wasn't it wasn't a good team okay okay never mind but i i was doing some research on Glasgow because i'm just doing a preview on the race and um i found out that apparently it's where they invented the tikka masala for a curry man so there you go i had tikka last night so there you go must be a sign oh wow that is a sign that's random random. (laughs) okay (laughs) have you looked at the circuit the finishing circuit yet Yes, yeah, I've had a good look at it. Um, we get up there on tomorrow, yeah, um, and then on Thursday we have like five hours. We'll do a ride from Edinburgh to Glasgow, do a few circuits, and yeah, we'll get to know it pretty well. Um, I don't like to look at the course like too much because in the end of the day, like we get there so early that you're going to do ten laps on it, you're going to get five laps before the race. You really get a good feel when you ride on it. Uh, um, we're going to get so much of a recon on the course that I'm not necessarily overly stressed about analysing. It's not like a grand tour. You come to the stage, you got to do the stage. You have never seen it before. Mm. You'll get to there and you'll you'll get to know it really well before you even start to race on it. So, yeah. Good point. But I do know do, do know a lot about it, but, yeah. Mm. Okay. No, no, that's that's good, good, good insight. Um, in the Australian team, maybe the last recent years, You've been a part of it for um, you know quite a few now. The Aussie Worlds team is there like a who's the you know like the um, the spiritual leader of the team? Who's that one person? Is there one person in the team who kind of might not necessarily be the team leader all the time, like Matthews, etc. But is there someone who's always just kind of gets everyone together? Yeah, I mean, I must say, it might be personally me, but like there's Simon Clark who's a very consistent member in that. Um, there's myself now, um, who's done quite a few. Uh, Heinrich Hausler, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Mitch Docker was always good for that when he was selected in the team. Um, so, yeah, it's – but also what I will say is it's the familiarity of the staff that we have as in Australia that's the big thing. You know, we have your Paul Brosnans, your Rick Filchers, uh, Bertie May, uh, all these core groups that have – mate, they've been there, Dave, uh, Dave Hayes. Like, I'm, 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 these people have been in Cycling Australia organisation since I was 16 years old. You know, like my ever first national team I ever went to, these people were there managing the team, you know, doing the Swanier job, the the logistics, travel, Kenny. So there's just these names that I just, they, it's just part of the Australian cycling family. Yeah. And I know when we rock up, it's just like, we don't necessarily need a, like, a, you know, spirit leader there they're there so that, that consistency brings in like doesn't matter for example we did the world championships last year and we had jai come in he hadn't done the worlds for a few years um nick schultz maybe came in and there was a few other guys that came in and but they were also in under 19 australian team so it was like the same stuff that they had yeah. had prior you know what i mean so when we rock up there it's all like oh hey paul and like good to see you again and so it may be one year i do the world championships next year i don't but those people are the consistent people within the team so it always feels like the aussie you know is that 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 pride about it and these people are fantastic for that so man i love it every time we go back to represent australia all the pros get together and it's like our best time of the year yeah like we have a fantastic time. Like we just like, this is a, just, you never get to go just Australians. Everyone can talk about home. We can talk about cricket. What's going on here? What's going yeah, on there? Yeah. You know, last year we had so many Perth boys. We had Jai, Ben, me, we're all ragging on where each other live. And oh, you're from Indari, <laughs> fucking nowhere. And Ben's from the Golden Triangle, getting up in for that, and you know, like that sort of stuff. So it's like yeah, it's yeah. just good banter, you know. And I think that's in, it's nice to get back every year to do it. And any time that I can try and represent Australia and get that feeling is, is, I always try and put my hand up and and treat it with a lot of respect. Yeah, that's no, awesome. I get, I often get the feeling that when I, whenever I talk to any of the Aussie boys um, in. Yeah, in the middle of the season, I often get the feeling that they're happy just to talk to another Aussie, you know, because obviously just they're you know not in your own turf. You you might not even have an Aussie on your team. Um, so I often get that feeling. It is cool to just be all together. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've already used the tikka masala fact. That's great. Um, I love that the tikka masala. Who who would have thought? Um, yeah, okay. So now I've got some questions, right? So some of the legends have pumped in some questions, so maybe another 10 minutes. Is that all right? No problem, no problem. Okay, okay. Wait, are you in a bedroom, by the way? Just a weird, no, just an apartment. I'm just at the couch, it's in the couch, so the angle of the apartment's sort of up there, but no, nice. I mean, I'm in my living room, right? Okay, so Patreon questions first, right. And you lucky ducks got to see it and run the reason become a patron, right? Is because you got to see the new Australian track bike last about two minutes ago, which looks awesome, by the way. Factor. Um, big fan. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Big fan. Yeah, it looks cool. Anyway, okay. First question. 
Jared, actually W-O by Jared Ando. He's a TT fan, Durbo, and he wants to know, what do you like the most about your giant TT setup at Jayco? Any particular part of that bike or bit of kit that you like about that setup? Mm, it's a quick mm, I, I love I particular point about look I love the I love the giant TT bike it's been an amazing uh, bike to have I mean we had a good bike with Scott but I'd say this bike has been another another level from that yeah. um, it's the whole package I guess like I would say that uh, it ticks a lot of the boxes like it hasn't really changed a lot in the many years but if it's it's like giant stone is one of those things that if it's not you know broken, why change it? Hmm. Um, it's an aero frame, pretty simple, but the geometry of it fits me really well. Um, what I will say, my favourite bit about it is the probably the new sink bars that I got. Like oh, they're yeah. super nice. Sink ergos, um, yeah. Sink ergos, and yeah. they're they're awesome. Our tyre wheel combinations probably state of the art. We have the Kdex wheels with the mm. quad spoke, and we have Victoria Forza Speeds, and they're just so fast because they're tubeless. They're super soft and like super comfortable, but they're also just like rapidly fast. So mm. yeah, I don't know like anything particular. Like the whole bike works really well. I'm looking forward to eventually the disc brakes coming out because I think that'll help with prologues because anything that's technical your braking capacity will help. Mm. So I'm just saying there's more time to be taken off the King's Park record potentially if you can actually brake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the King's but, Park, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, no, in terms of that, I'd say the tyres and the wheels combination, the Kdex wheels, is, mm. is probably my favourite bit about it, yeah. Mm. A very underrated part of um, speed gains, the tyre tire and wheel combo. Huge. There's two of them. People forget there's two tyres. There's two on the bike. So you get double if you get a better tyre. Um, great yeah, question. Another, another Jared, he says, um, oh, this is a quick fire question, but pick for the Vuelta. Now, I don't know who's going. Ayuso, Remco, Fingerguard, Roglic, Thomas. Maybe the people who might win. Uh, yeah, Jonas will win, I think. Big Jonas. Okay. Oh, did you see the crowd that rocked up to Denmark? Yeah, it's the same like last year. It was in, it's insane. It's That's insane. like the pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only five people being allowed or something. I'm, I'm, I don't know, quote me on that number, but Chris George Jensen, my teammate, is Danish, said that there's only been a certain amount of number of people. Last person allowed on that balcony won the Nobel Peace Prize. And so it's a certain balcony on the town hall that you're allowed to walk out and wave to the crowd. So, you know, they go to the town hall, they eat this special pancake, and then they walk out onto the terrace and they wave to the crowd. So it's sort of like a, this is a really special terrace. Like it must be where the queen, the king yeah. go and, um, and and special guests. So, yeah, for Jonas to do that two years in a row is pretty incredible. Wow. We need that for Boxing Day Puppers, actually. <laughs> Where would it be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Top of the BHP building or something. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. uh, all right. The, the Flying Musette. I'm going to tweak this question a little bit. No budget. 
who can you you've now just become Jaco. You've now just become Jerry Ryan. Who are you drafting into Jaco? One Ryan. Um Pemisher, probably. Oh no budget indeed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Daniel Joe says, Oh, who was your favorite rider when you were younger, mate? Who inspired you as a junior? Um, favorite rider as a junior. Um, I had I had a fair few. I'm a big Brad Wiggins fan. Me too. Was nice. like a huge Brad Wiggins fan. Um, yeah. got to know him a little bit. Also raced with him, which was quite good. And also Philip Gilbert was a really big Philip Gilbert fan, and also got to know him quite well throughout his career as well. So that was that was pretty cool. To know them, see them, because I obviously got a bit of a fan of sport earlier in, later in my age, so it was sort of like earlier, probably like mid-2000s, mm. sort of the era, and then I turned pro, so it was like, wasn't too far after turning pro that I'd sort of start falling in love with the sport, so a lot of the guys I got to ride with, which was pretty cool. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> Aiden Burgess, this one made me laugh, I read it. Have you ever worked for Adam Yates thinking it was Simon? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. I mean, could you do at the Tour de France? No, no, never, never done that intentionally. But this year, the Tour de France, someone underneath me said Derbo, 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 and I thought it was Simon, but I thought Simon had already gone past me. So yeah. I was thinking, oh, what's going on here? So I, I looked back and I thought Simon's behind me. So I'm trying to like step out to help him up to move up. And next minute, I look back and it's UAE, it's Adam. And I was like, oh, that's the only time I've actually <laughs> done two jobs for both dates. Oh, it's good. Um, Robert George says, what's your favourite beer? Uh, Alhambra, it's a Spanish beer. Yeah, mm. it's a Alhambra Reserva. It's a really good beer from uh, south of down in Granada, Spain. And, um, yeah, great, great beer. Mm. Now, I, I remember, this is one that I just thought of now, it might have been on like one of your first OG pods with uh, Mitch, like when you guys were just doing it over the table and you were drinking mm. the beers. Mm. It was like episode one or two, I remember. I'm not sure if you said on this podcast or something else, but you said once that you used to put like a bit of wood in your helmet. Is that right? Did, oh, like, yeah. Do you still do yeah, Is that no, true? That I don't do that anymore, no. I, I, I did... I, I used to have a piece of wood on me as superstitious, but I don't have it anymore. Uh, I lost it, and I just sort of thought maybe that was a sign I could probably move on with the rest of the world and not be so superstitious. <laughs> I would have thought the same thing. It's a sign. It comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favourite thing to do? Oh, Thomas Gould. Thomas Gould. What is your last two, actually? Yeah. What is your favourite what do, you, what do you most look forward to when you come back to WA? End of season, what is just that thing that you can't wait to do, see or eat? Mm, my favourite thing to do is get up in the morning early, 7 o'clock, roll down to the coffee shop and catch up with my mates. Um, I think that's the best thing. Like we all meet, we have a group, we all meet somewhere in Mount Lawley and have a coffee and it just feels for me it feels like home you know like uh just talk shit talk about normal things not about necessarily 
tackling and then everyone goes off to work. So, yeah, I think it's one of my favourite things. I always put on the group, like, all right, I'm home tomorrow. See you down the brew shop at seven. And we all roll in. And, yeah, it's it's really good. Everyone's just the transition and seeing people's lives change and what they're doing and having kids and moving on here and that. It's just, it's a really nice time. So I always look forward to going home and going, hey, guys, I'm back in town. Let's get a brew tomorrow. And then everyone comes down and we have a brew. And then pretty much we do that every day if we can, depending on who can make it. But every day we'll start around there, 7.30 to 8, and just everyone starts their day, and it's a nice moment. That's awesome, mate. That's so good. I guess you just learned to you appreciate that so much more being away all the time, eh? Mm, yeah. 100%. Uh, what coffee shop? Uh, I've got a Willing in the deli in mm. Mount Wally mm. most of the time. I know Tim quite well, um, and so he runs a brew shop down there, so we go there. Um, or, we, or we go to Modus. Which is also bloody good. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. And final. It's one. my neck of the woods. Yeah, your neck of the woods. Okay. Final ones from Calma. What is your training plan for Boxing Day, Papa's twenty twenty three? What's his training plans? <laughs> oh, I think he's in the UK. Don't know. Cutting hair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cut. Yeah, well, I'll get a, I'll get a haircut from him and I'll discuss my plans with him. But yeah, at this moment, um, yeah, not too much, not yeah. too much. It hasn't really crossed my mind, but it'll be something intense, I'm sure. Yeah, the big dance. Ah, uh, Lou, mate, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. It's no um, it's nice to Good nice to, to chat out. with you. Yeah, it is. Hey, it is. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. you know, look forward to catching up when we get back home. another episode of the press room podcast done and dusted thank you so much for listening don't forget to leave a rating or review if you enjoyed this episode and share it with a mate or a friend it really helps the growth of the podcast shout out to Durbo, what an absolute legend and i can't wait to catch up with him here in wa at the end of the year and shout out to the sponsors zwift attacker smith optics and all the patreons you guys are legends and i can't wait to see you on the next episode